0: welcome you this morning as we've come together to worship, and Tommy shared a prayer request about those folks from uh, working with United, about 2,700 people here in our region lost their jobs this week, and so uh, we'll pray for them. Uh, Job is going to have his surgery on Tuesday, Rachel right? will be traveling uh, tomorrow to be with uh, the kids while well, they have Job's surgery, so pray for him not feeling well. Other prayer requests, prayer concerns, things we can share together today? All right, well, let me also share, uh, as we enter into December, that uh, means as Southern Baptists, we received the Lottie Moon offering for international missions, and so there are envelopes back in the back, and there are also uh, uh, prayer guides. This is the week of prayer, so uh there's a brochure that guides you through different unreached peoples in the in the world that the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering is endeavoring to reach with the uh, the, the good news of Jesus. So uh, pick up a, a prayer guide and an offering envelope, and uh, uh, we will receive this offering through the month of December for international missions. And so uh, let's uh, let's begin our time together in prayer. Lord God, we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to come aside today, Lord, and we thank you for the week that we've come through, set aside to uh, slow us down a little bit and to help us pause and remember of your your goodness and your grace and to pause and give thanks to you for who you are and and for what you do for us and have done for us and will do for us based on your promises and your word. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for who you are, and we confess, Lord, so often we have a tendency to focus on things that we do not have, and we have a tendency to uh, uh, be discontent and to be uh, not grateful, and so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to turn from our discontentment and to focus not on what we do not have, but what we have and the blessings that you shower upon us so richly and so profusely. And Lord, knowing that if you never gave us another gift, you've already given us the greatest possible gift and your son, Jesus, and uh, uh, the life that we have through him by grace through faith in Jesus. And Lord, we do lift up these requests that we've mentioned. Lord, we pray for those who have lost their jobs. We pray that you would open doors for them to be able to work and provide for their families. We pray that you would uh, uh, meet their needs and help them as they seek to uh, uh, be able to, to work and enjoy the holidays and provide and, and provide for their families. We pray for them. Lord, we pray for Job and the surgery. We pray that it would be successful and that going forward he would uh, be able to grow and thrive and prosper and be a, a healthy, uh, growing young man. Lord, we pray for his family. And Lord, we pray for Hannah. Pray for her recovery and healing and uh, that she'd get well and be able to safely travel back to her home and her job and her work. And, and Lord, we... Uh, Thank you for the International Mission Board and for those who uh, seek to serve and have given themselves to travel to unreached people groups across the world to take the gospel and to take the good news. And we know many of them are places where they uh, they might be in danger, and so we pray for their protection and we pray for their faithfulness in preaching your word and that you would, you would be pleased to uh, draw unreached people groups to yourself and grant them repentance and faith in Jesus, and that your kingdom would advance among the nations through the faithfulness of our missionaries that uh, that serve there. And Lord, we thank you for our church, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to meet in your name and offer you our worship, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, our call to worship this morning is going to come from Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40. Going to look later in the service at the Word of God coming in power to Asia, and uh, as Paul preaches the gospel in Ephesus, in Isaiah chapter forty, the prophet the prophet speaks of those who wait upon the Lord. Isaiah forty verse one, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He shall carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray again. Lord God, we give you praise this morning because you are the everlasting God. You are the creator of the ends of the earth. You do not grow weary. You do not faint. Lord, we give you praise because your understanding is unsearchable. You are infinitely wise and all-powerful and infinitely loving and benevolent toward us. And, Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. We thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for his sinless life, his atoning death, his glorious resurrection, and his presence with us right now in the person of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we pray that your spirit would help us today to behold your glory, to behold your majesty, and to be drawn to worship you, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted, your name would be glorified, And that we would be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus, as we worship you this day. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I invite you to take out your hymnal and turn with me to hymn 56. Acts, Acts chapter 19. The 19th chapter of the book of Acts. And we will see Paul, in his third missionary journey, bring the gospel in power to Asia. During this month, and, uh, and uh, as we focus on international mission missions, we will be talking each week about a nation in Asia, uh, on the Pacific Rim, as we focus on international missions. And here we see the gospel coming to the continent of Asia as Paul ministers in Ephesus. The gospel comes in power to Asia in Acts chapter 19 beginning in the first verse. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed to the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, "Into what baptized, and, to, and to what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for 3 months spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief speaking evil of the way before the congregation he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus this continued for 2 years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell among them all, in the name of the Lord Jesus, was extolled. So many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts through the All right, as we read this passage, we have to remind ourselves that um, what happens in Acts is not necessarily to be uh, normative for all believers and all churches and all places at all times. We have to remember that this is the apostolic age and that uh, God is working through the apostles and he is giving signs and wonders to authenticate his men and their message because the doctrine of the apostles had not yet been written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the self-authenticating Word of God. And so as the gospel comes to a new place, a new region, it comes accompanied by power, by uh, 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 signs and wonders that give authentication to the apostles and to the message that they are bringing, the message that they are preaching. And many people today take Acts chapter 19 and try to, to to treat that as being normal, as being what is to be the practice of all churches in all places. They believe that uh, they take Acts 19 all by itself and separate it from the context of the rest of the New Testament and say that you are only to baptize in the name of Jesus. And that after you baptize in the name of Jesus, you are to lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit and that is accompanied with the speaking of tongues and prophesying. They They teach that... Uh, that it is always God's intention to heal. And uh, you can watch an evangelist on TV and send him a check, and he will send you an anointed handkerchief in the mail in order to bring healing to you. And, uh, and and we see folks take this passage out and try to make it normative for the church. But in the outworking of the New Testament, we have to remind ourselves that what happens in the book of Acts is unique. As the gospel comes to different places, God Shows signs and wonders to authenticate that message, and this is the apostolic age, and God is working through the apostles in a unique and special way, and so we have to remind ourselves of that as we continue this passage, but also saying that this is profitable for us, and we see the word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus coming to Asia in power, and this is Paul's third missionary journey. Uh, We... Talked about the beginning of the second missionary journey, I mean the the ending of the second missionary journey, and then he came to Antioch, spent some time there, and then set out again and first visited the churches in Galatia that he had established on the first missionary journey and then visited on the second. And he begins his third journey by going back through that region, and now he comes to Asia. And if you remember, as we were studying through the book of Acts, on the second journey... Paul was in Asia, but he was prevented by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia and was called to Europe where he established the first churches there in Philippi and in, in Corinth. And, uh, and he preached in Athens and we saw that second journey. But now, on this third journey, Paul is allowed to go to Asia and he goes to a principal city in Asia, Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, and we see the word of God come in great power the gospel the good news of Jesus comes to Asia and it comes in great power and the first way we see that power demonstrated it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit Uh, the first party comes to uh, Ephesus and he finds some disciples there and here this term disciple simply means learner Uh, we have talked about the fact that in the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John, the word disciple primarily speaks of, uh, of the 12, those that Jesus called to himself. Uh, but in the book of Acts, those 12 are called apostles, the ones who are sent out with the mission. And the word disciple can be used for learners in general, believers sometimes. But here, obviously, these people are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because they do not know that there is a Holy Spirit, and there is no way to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ without having been born of the power of the Holy Spirit, without having been regenerated. And so Luke uses this word to be disciples. They are learners, and most probably they had been learners from Apollos. You remember Apollos last week? We talked about him being in Ephesus, and he was teaching the things of the Lord, and yet he had gaps in his understanding. And Aquila and Priscilla brought him and filled in those gaps of his understanding, and then he went off to Corinth. And so most probably, these were learners, and they had learned from Apollos, and they had not heard that there was even, they had not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul arrives in Ephesus, he sees these learners, and something prompts him to ask them, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? And they said, we did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul uh, explained to them uh, about the new birth. And he asked them, what, uh, uh, what baptism were you baptized in? And they said, John's baptism, just like Apollos. And Paul tells them that John's baptism was not Christian baptism, but it was a baptism of Repentance. And John was simply calling on the people to turn from sin and to prepare to receive the one that was to come after him, that is Jesus. And so Paul filled in the gap of their understanding, as uh, Priscilla and Aquila had filled in the gap of Apollos' understanding, and they were converted, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they were regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, Uh, Again, this is not something that is to be normal. This is the first time that the gospel comes to Asia. The gospel comes to Ephesus, and God shows the continuity between the church in Jerusalem and the ministry of the apostles and the doctrine of the apostles and these new believers in Asia. And uh, this is not normative for today. It's not even normative in Acts. In fact, it only happens twice. The other time that the Holy Spirit came upon the laying on of hands was the first time that the gospel came to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, you remember the churches being scattered because of the stoning of Stephen, and uh, uh, they went and they preached the gospel as far as they went. They went to Samaria, and word came to Jerusalem that the Samaritans were receiving the gospel, that they were believing in Jesus. And so the church sent two apostles, Peter and John, to Samaria to make sure that they were genuinely responding to the gospel. And when Peter and John, the apostles, got there, they laid hands on their believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So God is showing the continuity of the church and the continuity of the teaching of the apostles. And so as the gospel comes to a new place, Apostles go there, and apostles confirm that it is the doctrine of the apostles, the message, the salvation message of Jesus Christ is being received, and they lay hands on to show the continuity, the unity of the church. It was not God's design for there to be a Jewish church in Jerusalem and a Samaritan church in Samaria and a Gentile church in Asia. It was God's design for there to be one body of Christ, one church, built on the foundation of the doctrine of the apostles and so this shows the continuity and the unity in the church and the gospel that was preached and that the gospel uh, the foundation of the church is the doctrine the preaching of the apostles that they have been given from the lord jesus christ and so this is not normative but this is showing the the continuity between the church in jerusalem and now the church in asia and the same thing with the uh Uh, The speaking in tongues and prophesying. Um, There are those who say this is to be normal for the church, but uh, this is the age of the apostles, and it's not even also, again, not normal in Acts. It only happens three times. The speaking in tongues happens on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon those uh, believers, and the city is filled with people, pilgrims, and everyone hears the gospel in their own language, in their native tongue. And then it happens again in, in uh, Acts chapter 10 when the first Gentiles are believers and the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius in the presence of Peter and Peter says they received the Holy Spirit in the same way that we did, again, showing the continuity and the unity of the church. There's not to be a Jewish church in Jerusalem and a, uh, a, uh, uh, a Gentile church in Caesarea, but there is one body of Christ and there is that unity and continuity And now the Holy Spirit comes upon these new believers in Asia in exactly the same way to show the unity and the continuity of the church. And so the gospel comes to Asia and it comes in power and it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit brings new life and brings these new believers into the body of Christ, into the church built on the doctrine of the apostles what they have received from the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of his sinless life, his atoning death, his glorious resurrection, and the new life that is available by by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. And so the power, uh, the, the gospel comes to Asia in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And second, we see the gospel come to Asia in the power of preaching. And so Paul has these now new believers and in verse 8, he entered the synagogue and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And so it's interesting, Paul lasts longer in that synagogue than he lasted in most synagogues. Uh, usually it took a week or two, three weeks at most before they threw him out. But here he's able to preach in the synagogue for three months. And notice how Luke describes the preaching of Paul. He spoke boldly. Paul went into the synagogue with boldness, which means he was fearless. He did not fear man. He did not fear the rulers of the synagogue. He did not fear their rejection. He did not fear man at all, but he boldly spoke the truth of God's word. He had had bad experiences in the synagogue. He had been beaten with rods. He had been thrown into prison. He had been stoned and left for dead. He had been run out of town after town after town. And yet when Paul goes to the synagogue, he speaks without fear. And he speaks clearly and boldly with the authority of the word of God as he speaks to him. And you know, that's what that's what the churches in America need today. We need bold preachers. We need preachers who will preach the truth of God without any fear without fear of rejection, without fear of being called a bigot, without fear of, uh, of being thrown out of town, we need bold preaching. And the gospel comes to Asia through the power of preaching. He speaks boldly, and we've seen the fact, uh, reasoning is Luke seems to be Luke's favorite word for the ministry of Paul in the synagogue, that he would answer their, their objections, he would answer their questions, he would discern where they were and meet them where they were and lead them to the truth in Jesus Christ. And so he boldly reasoned with them, and his preaching was also persuasive. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, it was convincing. And, uh, and the topic of his preaching is the kingdom of God, that God rules, that God reigns. God is the master and creator of the universe, and he is the ruler of all. And God has sent uh, a redeemer into the world through whom he will reign and exercise his reign and his kingdom and his authority. Jesus, the king of heaven, came into the world to call people from every kingdom of the earth into the kingdom of God, from Asia, from Europe, from Jerusalem, from all the ends of the earth. He has come to call people from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation into the kingdom of God to submit themselves to his rule and to his authority and to his word. Paul comes boldly speaking about the kingdom of God. And he is faithful to that message. And uh, as happens, it took a little longer, three months. After three months, some became stubborn, And they continued in their unbelief and they spoke evil of the way before the congregation. And so Paul withdrew and took the disciples with him and found another meeting place in the hall of Tyrannus where he would continue to boldly preach, to reason with the people and to persuade them the message of the kingdom of God. He continued for two years so that the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And, uh, and it's interesting, just kind of aside, uh, notice what Christianity is called here in this passage. It's called the way. Those who were uh, stubborn and continued in belief, verse 9, spoke evil of the way. And Jesus is obviously the, obvious, the, the object of this preaching. He is proclaiming the kingdom of God, Jesus the king of heaven, And Jesus is the way, the way, the truth, and the life, the only way for us to come to the Father. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, he is the way. And then the Christian life becomes the life of following Jesus, following in the way that he is for us. And so the word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus comes to Asia. It comes in power. It comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes through the power of preaching Uh, preaching the word, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching the way persistently, boldly, consistently, and and Ephesus being a key city. We talked about Corinth being a strategic location. Ephesus is a strategic location on the coast of Turkey, and from uh, Ephesus, people would spread out through the region of Asia, and they would hear the gospel in Ephesus, and then they would move out, and all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so the gospel comes in power. comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. comes in the power of preaching. And then it also comes in God's demonstrated power over sickness and illness, over disease, over the human body. Verse 11 says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And also notice, it's not all the believers, it's not all the disciples, it's not gifted individuals, it is by the hands of Paul, the apostle. And you also see that this does not appear to be a focus of Paul. The miracles, the signs of wonder, the healing is not Paul's focus. Paul's focus is on preaching. Paul is focusing on speaking boldly. Reasoning, persuading about the kingdom of God, uh, speaking of the way, and uh, uh, speaking the word of the Lord in the in the in the uh, the uh, hall of Tyrannus, and so Paul's emphasis is preaching, but God, in His sovereignty and in His grace, is bringing authority and authentication to the message of Paul. Paul is an apostle sent with his doctrine that he had personally received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's come to this new place where the gospel has not been seen, where it has not been heard, where it has not been preached. And God authenticates his man, Paul the apostle, and he authenticates his message, the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom of God, by displays of authority and power, showing his power over sickness, his power over illness, his par- power over the human life. God demonstrates his power to make a new creation and to deliver us from all the consequences and curse of sin. He just dis- demonstrates his power to bring complete healing to us when the resurrection, when we have bodies that will be free from pain and sickness and illness and disease and any of the consequences of sin. God authenticates the message of salvation from sin and its curse by demonstrating his authority over disease. And so uh, Paul is focused on preaching, but God is pleased to authenticate that preaching by the signs and wonders, the miraculous healing. And uh, you even see here that uh, uh, for Paul, not his focus, Paul's focus is preaching, and the healing almost happens incidental and accidental. Uh, Paul does not throw handkerchiefs into the crowd as he is preaching. He does not tell you to send him a check and he will send you a handkerchief in the mail. He uh, uh, simply wakes up in the morning and looks for the apron that he had used in tent making the day before and that apron is gone because somebody stole it and took it and laid it on somebody who was sick to heal them. Uh, That's not Paul's focus. But God, by his grace, is bringing healing to in authenticating the power as he shows uh, his authority and the authority of his man, the authority of the message until it is written down in the self-authenticating Word of God. And so the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them. And so the Word of God comes to Asia in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Paul's preaching, and by the power over sickness and illness and the curse of sin and death. And then fourth, we also see the power over evil spirits. Not only when those handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul's skin uh, touched people who were diseases, their diseases leave them, but evil spirits come out of them as well. And so we see the power over evil spirits. And you know, Jesus came casting out demons. In fact, Jesus came and he said, uh, uh, You know, he he said that uh, nobody can go into the house of a strong man and plunder the house of a strong man unless he first bind the strong man. If he binds the strong man, then he can go into his house and plunder his possessions. And he said, and if I cast out demons by the the power of God, by the finger of God, then that shows you that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so Jesus came casting out demons. He bound the strong man and went in and kicked down the gates of hell and set captives free. And he had delegated that same authority and power to the apostles. And so uh, demons are coming out because the strong man has been bound and God is plundering his house by the preaching of the gospel and setting those captives free as they are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace through their faith in the message of Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so we see power over demons, power over evil spirits, power over Satan. The word of God comes to Asia in power. The strong man is bound and captives are being set free. And so uh, comes in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of preaching, the power over sickness, power over evil spirits, and also comes with the power to impose, to expose impostors. Uh, there are some others. You know, uh, uh, the, uh, the text here, Luke talks to us about some itinerant Jewish exorcists. And so itinerant, they were traveling around, they were Jewish exorcists, and they would travel around, and through formulas and words, they would apparently also be casting out demons. They would show their authority over over evil spirits by their secret arts. And they come and they see what is happening through Paul, that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched the skin were taken away to sick and evil spirits were coming out of people. And so some of the traveling Jewish exorcists who would probably travel from place to place, probably making a very good living by apparently casting out demons, they thought that this means, this method, these words were the secret formula to having real power over demons. They probably knew that they were frauds that they weren't real, that they were just creating an appearance and yet they were making a lot of money. But now they see the real power of God and that real power of God is coming by the name of Jesus that is preached by Paul. And so what do they do? They take those words and they think they're a magic formula, a secret oath, and so they tell these demons, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, and they try to invoke the name of Jesus over those who have evil spirits, thinking that it is their words, it's a magic formula, it's just some words that we need to say, we use the name of Jesus preached by Paul, and these demons will do the same thing that happens when uh, Paul's apron touches the demon-possessed people. They think that these are new magic words, a new formula, a new oath, that will make God do what uh, they want God to do. And what is the result? (laughs) Verse 15, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom there was the evil spirit left on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked, and wounded, God's power exposes the imposters, those who are simply trying to use the name of Jesus in order to manipulate God to do what they want to do. And the result is they're exposed as frauds. They are exposed as imposters. The power of God, the gospel of of, of God comes in the power of God to expose their their imposters. And then finally, and most importantly in this text, the word of God comes in power, the power to produce repentance, the power to produce life change. And so what happened to the itinerant Jewish evangelist the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva uh, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus both Jews and Greeks and fear fell upon them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled the impostors were exposed in the name of Jesus was extolled lifted up exalted and many became believers but look Look what happened when they became believers in verse 18. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. They come confessing their sin. They come in openness. When they came to faith in Jesus Christ, they didn't just add Jesus to what they were already doing they didn't just add Jesus to what they already believed. They didn't just add Jesus to their other way of life and their man-made religion of how they were trying to manipulate the supernatural to bring about their own their own ends, their own purpose, their own plan. No, they came confessing their sin and repenting, turning from their sin and putting their trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, not just adding him to what they already believed, but having themselves completely and totally and radically transformed. They came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They knew that this was fake, that it was false. They knew that it was not true. They knew that it was dangerous and deceptive. And they did not want anybody else they, they had been brought into the light. They had seen the error of their ways. They had seen the name of Jesus. They had seen that these magic arts were deceptive and evil and demonic. And they didn't want anybody else to be led astray. And so they didn't sell them. They didn't have a garage sale and sell their books. No, they brought them out and burnt them so that nobody else would be led astray or deceived by the evil nature of those works. Even though they had a huge investment... They had spent a lot of money on these books, and they could make money by selling them, but they saw the evil, and so they burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. But the truth was more important to them than money. And the power of God brought true repentance. They didn't just add Jesus to their other activities, and their other beliefs, and their other things, and their man-made religions. No, they were radically transformed. And they put their trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for their salvation. And they brought these evil books and burned them in the sight of all so that they would not lead someone else into darkness or someone else astray or deceive somebody else. And then verse 20, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And so here in this passage, we see the word of God come to Asia with power. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of preaching. Power over sickness and illness. Power over uh, demons. Binding the strong man. Setting captives free. Power to to, to expose impostors. And the power to bring true repentance. And so we see the power of the Word of God. The Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And so this passage teaches us that our trust and our confidence should be in the words of God and not in the words or tradition. Or religion of men and I'm afraid in the church in America today we have too many that are like the sons of Sceva we have too many who believe that uh, that, that, that by using the right words or the right formula that we can that humans can manipulate God That that humans can manipulate the supernatural in order to bring about what they want, in order to bring about their their desires, in order to bring about the fulfillment of their self-needs. And they believe that if we just say the right words, if we pray the right prayer, if we have the right formula, if we visualize the right things, if we speak the right things into existence, then we can obligate God to do what we want, when we want based on what we say, or how we pray, or how we manipulate those words. There are too many today who throw out their handkerchiefs, who send their handkerchiefs in the mail, thinking that by the right words, the right formula, we can manipulate God and force Him to do what we want, when we want. When true faith does not trust in the words of man a secret formula, a secret set of words, a secret way of praying. But true faith is faith in the Word of God and in His promises. And true faith does not seek to make God do what we want God to do when we want God to do it. But true faith is characterized by trusting in the Lord, trusting in His Word, and trusting in His promises, trusting in His character, and trusting in His And so instead of manipulating God, trying to make Him do what we want when we want, true faith comes in waiting for the Lord. Trusting His Word and waiting for Him to act in accordance with His character and in accordance to His wisdom and His perfect timing. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up, with wings as evil. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And so the Word of God comes in power and God by His grace uh, authenticates His Word bringing uh, repentance and bringing trust in Him. True faith means trusting in God's Word and not the words of man. And when our faith wanes, we look for something for some word of man to be a source of encouragement or to, to, to try to be a way that we can manipulate God to do what we do, but true faith means waiting for God to act in His way, in His timing, according to His will, and we trust in Him. And true faith brings repentance. So many today just seek to, to, to add Jesus to what they're already doing, Uh, People will take the words and philosophy of Sigmund Freud and sprinkle in Christian Bible Bible verses and call it Christian psychology, trusting in the words and means of man instead of the Word of God. And so our trust should not be in human tradition, man-made religion, seeking to manipulate God, but our trust is in God and His Word and waiting for Him and believing that salvation is a gift of His grace. And the Word of God, the Word of the Gospel, the Word of the Kingdom came to Asia in power. According to God's grace and God's providence, He authenticated His man, He authenticated His message, and He sent out His Word with power through the boldness of what was preached. And as a result, the residents of Asia heard the Word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks, and the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And so may our trust, may our confidence, not being in the words of man, not being some magical formula, not being some man-made religion that teaches us how to manipulate God to give us what we want, but may our trust be in the word of the Lord. And the fact that, yes, He has overcome sin and death, He has bound the strong man, and He bound the strong man through the sinless life and the glorious, uh, the atoning death and the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. As we put our trust in the King of Heaven who came to earth to call from every kingdom of the earth people into the kingdom of God, And who crushed the head of Satan by dying for our sins and raising from the dead. May our trust be in the way, the truth, and the life. And in him alone. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand and to work through sometimes a difficult passage. To know the truth. And then, Lord, to be able to walk in truth by your grace. Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust. To trust you, your character, your promises, your word. And to trust your timing. And to trust to be able to wait. To wait upon you. So our strength is renewed. And we can walk in the way with perseverance and endurance. Lord, grant us true, authentic faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. May we be transformed by your grace. Granted repentance and trust in Christ alone. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. All right, let me invite you to take your hymnal and turn with me to hymn number. Now may the God of peace